Welcome to the Rethinking Supply Chain Podcast, sponsored by Venzi. Join John Abrams, your podcast host and CEO of Venzi Technologies, to learn about new and exciting trends in the movement to digitize and rethink the global supply chain. This week's guest is Eric Severinghaus, EVP of Strategy and Business Development at Connexium. The Connexium platform is purpose-built for automating complex manual trade documents. Eric, great to have you. This is John Abrams. Welcome back to Rethinking Supply Chain. Really excited about our conversation today. Uh, Before we get into it, just a shout out to a couple of groups of people. There's There's a bunch of folks in Deloitte that have been following our podcasts and supply chain is really hot at Deloitte and several of the other big uh, system integrator consulting firms. So it's always, it's always nice to hear from the folks that are following us as well as some of the graduates from Miami of Ohio who have been following the show. And we're really excited that we started reissuing in 2022. So thanks to those of you that follow and give me spicy emails about where's the next podcast. And to start off, Eric, why don't we start with with this? It's, it is fascinating to me how many people are asking about when are you going to fix supply chain? In fact, I, I did an interview with a, a newspaper not too long ago, and the women was saying, well, that's really cool that you your company does AI for supply chain. So AI is going to fix all these problems like today, tomorrow, like which, which month of the year are you going to fix this? And I said, well, you know, I am very comfortable that it will be fixed in time, but it's not going to be an instant thing. The financial industry digitized literally starting in about 1970. And we are just now in 2022, 2021, realizing the benefits of digitization of an entire vertical finance. So it takes a long time. And I think people are frustrated today because as my daughter will say, dad, I can't get this product. I ordered this couch and it took six months to arrive. So will you fix the supply chain? And I'm I'm curious. I feel always bad that I don't have a better answer than it's going to take time. Uh, what's your perspective? Yeah, so I'm old enough to remember, I think about two or three years ago, when everybody was terrified of automation taking all the jobs away. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there was this whole idea, and, and like I will totally cop to being one of the people as a as a digitally native tech optimist. You know, I, I was one of those people that very much thought automation is going to take away everybody's role. Everybody, it's going to take away everybody's job. And like, what are we as humans going to do to be productive anymore? Right? And that was literally like two or three years ago that that was the zeitgeist. Yeah. And now everybody's talking about supply chain shortages. The inability to move goods, you know, around everywhere. And, you know, we are very much transforming, I think, in a lot of ways from a demand-constrained world where we had too much stuff and we had to figure out how do we sell it to people to a supply-constrained world where now all of a sudden we're trying to figure out how do we keep these supply chains moving. And it is a dramatically different world, that, that one that our organizations, I don't think, are necessarily set up to solve quickly a lot of the lessons that I learned in MBA school, right? Like we did entire modules. We did semester-long modules at Kellogg around just-in-time manufacturing. 
Nobody's talking about just-in-time manufacturing right now. No, because if you if you went heavy Kanban, just-in-time, and we all did. I mean, you're way younger than me, but uh, yeah, all we learned was, hey, how do you apply lean principles and get the inventory off the shelf and just, you know, you're only taking in the raw materials that you're going to use to produce today. I mean, every business school, and I, I did supply chain focuses. So if you're in business school, you learn sort of the high level of supply chain. But even high level, you are taught Deming principles, Kanban, just-in-time inventory. And if you were to say, think about this, uh, Kellogg guy, uh, if somebody had raised their hand in the class and said, hey, what if we have border controls or regional conflicts that disrupt your just-in-time? Should we have a secondary or tertiary supplier? They would have been laughed out of the class. Absolutely. They would have said, go read Francis Fukuyama, <laughs> the end of history. There will be no more conflicts. The the WTO, right, is is – maintaining the rules of the road so that we can now ship everything, you know, with, with minimal complexity, look at NAFTA, et cetera, et cetera. There will be no more borders. Like that, that was, again, that was 10 years ago. You know, that was the way the world was planning, right? And now what's on everybody's lips, I think, is Nassim Taleb, right? How do we be anti-fragile yeah. to these issues that are increasingly cropping up all over the world? Well, and uh, so I, I am old enough that I when I built networks back in the day for global companies, we always had uh, secondary paths. And, and sometimes you had three paths. And, and I remember I told the story and podcasts in the past, uh, there was a bridge that collapsed somewhere in the West one time, and we lost a connection to, I, I'm from newspapers, we lost our connection to the newspaper in California. And, and as we dug in, how did all of our, you know, our AT&T line, our MCI line, all these lines went down? Why did they all go down? Well, it turns out there's one damn bridge where all of that fiber went across, and when the bridge collapsed, we lost it all. And now we're looking at, oh, my gosh, I can't get silicon for my chips. How come? Well, you were single-threaded, so much like the diversity that we practiced in the early days of networking, if your supply chain is single-threaded and you're counting on product out of this region of, hmm, let's be fun, Russia, uh, you're, that's it, man. Your, your supply chain not only got interrupted by regional conflict, but it got interrupted by the pandemic and by all of these things that, yeah, we're a global society. But when you constrict, when you shut down those border crossings, here we are in it's uh, this podcast is in uh, February 2022. We are just now writing stories about the Ambassador Bridge into Canada being shut down by a couple of dozen truck drivers who are mad about something, and we shut down factories in in many parts of the Midwest over the Ambassador Bridge, which I didn't know this privately owned. Are you kidding me? This is a this is a critical supply line. It's it's not owned by the government. It's owned by some family and got shut down by a couple of dozen truckers. Well, and, and I love what you were saying about the, the analysis to find single points of failure and, and the engineering around that. And, and 
you know, the other part of the sort of global issue that I think we're dealing with here is increasingly manufacturing and distribution companies, companies that make things, they make stuff, right? Increasingly, those have been bought up and consolidated by private equity companies. And those private equity companies are largely driven by financial operators that view things like redundancy as unnecessary waste. And so where you had more diversity in the supply chain, and oftentimes you might have had a little bit more of, of an owner-operator mentality where somebody had, had maybe seen things that had happened in the past and said, you know, we need to be careful because we don't want our supply chain interrupted by X or Y or Z. Increasingly, those companies have been bought up. They've been consolidated. So you've got less diversity in all of that. And then there's been this management thinking applied, which is that any form of redundancy is waste. And so we need to engineer that out in order to, to maximize operating profits, you know, margins as much as we possibly can, right? And, and so the roots of this problem really go to, I, I think it stems from the way the financing's done, the way then that the management is done, and then it goes down through the tactics in terms of how things are engineered, you know, how, how they're designed, and ultimately how data flows, how things, ha you know, how, how ships go, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so going back to the original premise of the question, which I think is a great one, is like, when is this going to be fixed? You know, we have gotten into this mess because of the way that we've run our society over the past 20, 30 years. It's not going to be fixed in weeks or months. It's, it's going to take a, a philosophical realignment around how we think of the world and thinking of the world more around the terms of resiliency, anti-fragility, some of those ideas, and combining that with some of the other stuff around how do we achieve operating leverage and things like that. So this time horizon is important, and our companies will participate in the automation of supply chain processes for investors, listen up, decades to come. So those of us uh, that are at the early stages of moving to digitization will be the dominant players over the next decades. We are at the leading edge. Uh, and, and it's interesting. Our salespeople will talk about, and I'm sure yours do too, they'll talk about educating their clients or their prospective clients. And, and it is almost kind of absurd that you have to educate a client that digitization is your path to salvation, but we do. Let me, let me key on something, though, in terms of your framing this in terms of decades of recovery, a reference you made to essentially sourcing. So for those that aren't really clear on sourcing, let's say you're building a washing machine. Your sourcing person, in the old days it was a guy, it wasn't a machine, and that person was responsible for knowing where the screws to go in the washing machine, where the metal, where the plastic, where all the component parts are sourced from, uh, hence sourcing. One of the companies I worked for, the sourcing guy, kept in a little black book on his, uh, on his shirt. Literally, it was a book that had looked like it was 30 years old, and it had all of his sourcing contacts in Asia, Pac, uh, all over the world. And what he knew instantly was if he started to have a sourcing, sourcing problem for this component part, this screw, he would open up his little black book and he would call somebody else. What those of us that have been educated in the Deming philosophies and Lean Six Sigma and all of that, we put a target on that person's back. I, and I remember doing this, and so I, I want to hear your perspective of it. We took those people out, 
not just because of private equity, which was leaning out the financial expenditures, but we looked at somebody like him and said, oh my God, that is such old school. You have literally a Rolodex, but we took it out intentionally because it was against our learnings. And so the time horizon of many decades to recover from this, we also have to educate the kids in MBA school today that you have to think about border closures, you have to think about resilience, you have to think about secondary and tertiary suppliers, and you are so correct in putting the spotlight on. You've got three levels of supply for a screw? I do. Well, that's three levels of cost, and it is, but if it's make the product or not, the cost is worth it. So I want to frame the question of how long is it going to take to even start to reframe the core education that we're providing the next generation of leaders? Well, and, and that, that's exactly the point that I was trying to make earlier. Like, I, I think you're spot on, which is that it comes into how people are trained, how they're educated, the philosophies that they're bringing at both a management level as well as an oversight level. And, and I don't think anybody thinks that the answer to this is going back to the days when you've got an old guy with a black book, right? And, and, and so the efficiencies that come from digitization, from technology, from applying a lot of these concepts to the problems, I think the efficiencies that come are extremely valuable. And, and this is not something we should take for granted. Like this is really cool stuff that we are building into things like supply chain automation. I think exactly to your point, it's making sure that the philosophy of how we're going to do it uh, you know, you, you started designing networks. I actually started my career as a network architect as well. Oh, my gosh. And, and I, I had the exact same training, which is, yes, it needs to be efficient. We need high throughput. We need the ability to do these things very well. But by the way, I'm not going to design this with one server in order to save cost because we all know what happens. And by the way, I'm going to make sure that the hard drives are redundant. I'm going to make sure the network cards are redundant. I'm going to make sure the cabling is redundant. I'm going to make sure the routers are redundant, right? And, and, and yes, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be a CapEx associated with that. But the alternative is unthinkable. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that that is happening now. You know, when, when I go into boardrooms, when I'm talking to our customers, there is efficiency matters, but efficiency right now in the conversations I'm having with leaders really matters in terms of how do we make our people more efficient, not so that we can lay them off and we can take the cost savings to the bottom line. How do we make our people more efficient so they can go spend more time with customers, so that they can go solve other problems? Again, in this supply-constrained world, if you say things like, oh, we're going, to, we're going to take these people out, like we're going to give you a cost savings, executives look at us like, are you nuts? <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to recruit and retain human capital right now? Like where we have smart people, we just don't want them typing stuff from an invoice into an ERP system anymore. If we can automate that, fantastic. And now we can use our smart people to do stuff that is far more value-added. Oh, that, you know, that, that, that is such a great point. And, uh, and, and yeah, I... I am not advocating for bring back the Rolodex, uh, but I am advocating for what that individual represented was a layer of resilience that we leaned out of our companies. Absolutely. We, we leaned it out. In fact, those folks used to provide a level of, of redundancy just by virtue of the fact that they knew 
uh, so many different connections. And so we have leaned out, and I helped to do that, and it sounds like you have too. But we didn't replace it with the, let me just throw this on the table, we didn't replace it with the artificial intelligence that allowed us to sense that, hey, we've got supply constraint over here, we need to start firing up a secondary channel. And, and so we, we took out the cost, but we didn't replace the resilience. And I think that if, if I were to pick on one challenge today that resulted in no toilet paper on the Walmart shelf, it, it was that by taking those folks out that w- represented resilience, we didn't replace it with a technical level of resilience. And, and we have to do that, and it starts with the folks who are educating, whether you're in a supply chain class or whether you're in straight-up MBA, that we have to think about resilience. And I, I couldn't agree with you more on the, yes, be capital efficient in design, but also pay attention to the redundancy, the resilience of your supply chain. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've run business continuity and recovery type exercises, right? We, this is something that happens a ton in the IT world and in the digital world. I think it happens a lot less in, in terms of the let's go run an exercise where three suppliers have now gone down. What are we going to do? How are we going to solve for that, right? How are we going to war game some of these sorts of scenarios? And, and, and those things I think are very important because it helps you identify those weak points. And, and it's historically just been not something that we've prioritized in, in the operational world as much as maybe we have in the digital world. And, and I think that's something that needs to be addressed. I, I think that's perfect. And believe it or not, we've chewed up uh, our allocation of time for this episode. We're going to go into the next episode. I want to get more into the AI because there's a meme I saw the other day, and it, <laughs> it was a person crying, and they said, AI does not fit this situation. So We'll start our next uh, conversation with that meme and can't wait to uh, talk more detail. Thank you so much, Eric. I'm excited. Thanks, John. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rethinking Supply Chain, sponsored by Venzi. To stay up to date with our latest releases, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on LinkedIn. You can also learn more at rethinkingsupplychain.com. Thanks for listening.